0: Enjoy the message. All right, good morning. Am I the only one that's excited over the presence of God? Let me try that again. All right, let me try that again. Good morning. All right, hey, so good to see you guys. This crazy weather we have in Southern California, right? Hot one day, cold the next. But it's a good day to be alive, right? I used to have a boss. I used to have a boss. Um, not now, but when I worked in uh, construction, I used to have a boss who used to say, when it was really nice and beautiful, he used to say, It's a good day to be six feet under. And I was like, What? And I was like, no man, when you have Jesus, every day is a good day to be six feet above ground, amen. So I'm glad to see you guys. We wanna extend a warm welcome to those that are watching online. If this is your first time visiting us, we are so glad you are here. We want you to feel at home. We want you to know that you're in a safe place, but that we're excited that you're here and that we're not gonna force you to do anything, drink anything, give anything, that our sole desire is that God would speak to you and that you would be blessed and want to come back. Isn't that right, Day Spring? Amen. So when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand. They'll bring one to you. I think you'll want to follow along today. I think it's going to be a really good um, uh, topic that is going to be a blessing to your life. So if you need one, you can raise your hand. They'll bring one to you we are in the middle of a series called The Keys of the Kingdom. And we're talking about the keys that Jesus wants to give us. And today, I want to talk to you about the key of the Holy Spirit. Would you kind of gently, don't elbow them, don't pinch them, just kind of tell the person next to you, do you have the Holy Spirit? And if you don't, Today you'll walk out with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Reminds me of a story. It says that in a kids class, the teachers, the teacher was teaching the little ones about the Trinity, the doctrine of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who they are and what we believe in them. And after a few weeks of teaching them about the Trinity, one Sunday morning, the teacher said, well, would anybody like to stand up and say what we believe about each person of the, of the Trinity. One little boy gets up and he says, We believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. All the kids clap and then he sits down. Then a little girl gets up and she says, We believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus' the son, his only son and our Lord. And everybody claps and she sits down. But then there's an awkward silence, a long, a prolonged awkward silence. And nobody's getting up. Nobody's saying anything. When suddenly little Susie, who's in the back of the room, gets up and she says, I'm sorry, teacher. The boy that believes in the Holy Spirit is absent today. I pray that that would not be the case with us. That we would not be the people that fail to believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. That we would not be the people who recognize the Father and the Son, but somehow leave the Holy Spirit outside. And that's why we're going to talk today about the key the, the the fourth key of the kingdom, which is the key of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We are grateful that you are here with us. You want to speak to us. You want to touch us. You want to help us. You want to transform us, Lord. And you are going to do that through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you uh, have been missing the last few weeks and you're wondering what the keys are, I want to invite you to go back and listen to the other uh, sermons from previous weeks. We have a podcast, we got a YouTube channel. You can find them in, in Facebook as well. But the keys of the kingdom are the keys. Not only to expand the kingdom of God, because it's ultimately about expanding the kingdom of God. But the keys of the kingdom have to do with experiencing the benefits of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule, the governing, the dominion of God. And where God rules, his benefits, his privileges, his His dominion brings certain things to us. Where do we get this idea of the keys of the kingdom? Well, Matthew 16, 19, right there in your outline. If you would pull that out, you can follow along with me. This has been the key verse uh, of our series. And Jesus speaking says the following. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be what? Permitted in heaven. So there's keys to the kingdom that God wants us to have to operate in. We've spoken about three of them already. The first week we said that the first key is the key of life. And that first key of the kingdom is Jesus. And the key of life allows us to know God. Without Jesus, we cannot know God. You can know about God, but you can't know God. Because Jesus is the only way... To the, Father. the second key to the kingdom is the key of the word of God. And we said that the word of God makes an impact in us. And that when we hear it, when we believe it, when we know it, but most importantly, when we apply it, that the word of God then makes us people of impact. Amen. And the kingdom has to do about an impact on earth. God wants to make an impact through you. And the word of God makes an impact in us so that then we can become people of impact. Last week, we saw the third key, which is the key of prayer. Prayer is giving heaven permission to interfere on our issues here on earth. When we pray, we are saying, God we know not only that you can but we want to invite you to come and intervene in our situation and if you weren't here last weekend and that sounds a little weird to you like we give god permission through prayer well you have to remember that god gave us dominion god gave us authority and with authority he gave us freedom and we get to choose whether we do it god's way or we do it our way and when we pray we are saying god we don't want to do it our way. We want to give you permission to interfere in our business. mete tu cuchara in our business, right? Stake your fork in, in our salad. Deal with us. And today, I want to talk to you about the fourth key of the kingdom, the key of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what you need to know if you are not too familiar with the Holy Spirit. And the most important thing you need to know is that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He's not an energy. He's not a cloud. He's not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus never referred to him. If you read the Bible, Jesus never referred to the Holy Spirit as an it. He used he he and him. The Holy Spirit has pronouns. We live in a time of pronouns, right? Well, the Holy Spirit's got pronouns. He and him. Because he is a Person, he is a person, he has personal attributes and traits, he has a personality, he can be offended, he can be invited. The Holy Spirit is not this 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 magic cloud, is not these goosebumps. No, he is a person, and to go even further, he is a divine person, he is the third person in the Trinity, right? We believe in God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit he's not you know uh, cooties and he's not a a good feeling no he is the third person of the Trinity he's equal to the father and son in, in eternity he's equal in power he's equal in essence he's all knowing he's all powerful and that's what you need to know about the Holy Spirit that he is a person Just as you believe in the Father and in the Son, we need to learn to see the Holy Spirit as a person. And in fact, here's why that's important. Because one of the main roles and one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is that the Holy Spirit is God's help for you and for me. The role of of the Holy Spirit is that He is a divine person who comes to help us? Right. I don't know about you, but I think we need all the help we could get. Amen. Anybody need help to be a better driver? Amen. Some of you raise your hand and you're like, no, that's not me. Come on, don't be shy. Any of you need help to be a better spouse, to be a better sibling, yeah. to be a better Christian? The Holy Spirit comes. To help us. And we need all the help we can get. Listen to me. Anytime you ask God for help, whether it is financial, whether it is in your character, whether it is relational, every time you ask God for help, the help from God comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. Every time. Every single time. In fact, let let, let me see if, because I really want you to get this because this is the key to the key of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to you and me the kind of help that Jesus was to the 12 disciples. I mean, when you read the Gospels and you look at how Jesus taught them, how he helped them, how he protected them, when you see the kind of help that Jesus provided to the disciples, well, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you and for me Amen. if you've ever said man you know Peter and these guys they had it better because they had Jesus with them well they didn't have it better than you because you have the Holy Spirit with you Amen. and the key of the Holy Spirit is God's help for us look at what John fourteen sixteen says right there in your outlines Jesus speaking, right? This is Jesus speaking. And look at what he says. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, I will ask the Father to send you what? We see the Trinity there. Jesus is speaking and he's saying, I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Who will what? Help you you and always be what? With With you. So the key Of the Holy Spirit is God's help for us, right? Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. The Holy Spirit, because he's a person, his help comes in the form of a relationship. He's not a spare tire where you can get all Pentecostal all of a sudden and you unleash him, okay? That's not the way it works. He is a person. And the help of the Holy Spirit is in a relational sense. In fact, I want to show you three things he helps us with, and they are all connected to the person of Jesus. You ready for that? So so let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is God's help, and that help comes through a relationship with him. And the help that he wants to provide to us is in connection to the Holy Spirit. I mean, in connection to Jesus. Let me show you. Number one. Well, let's read John 14, 17. We'll use that as our foundation. And then we'll look at the help that the Holy Spirit provides. This is Jesus speaking, right? And he says, he is the Holy Spirit. You see that pronoun? Who leads, who leads into what? All truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't what? Recognize him. But you, who is now Jesus talking about? Who is that you? You. That's you and me, right? But you know him because what? He lives with you now and later will be in you. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Number one, fill this in in your outlines. The Holy Spirit helps us because he comes after us. The Holy Spirit comes after us. Verse, at the end of verse 17, Jesus said, but you know him because he lives what? With you. Okay, The Holy Spirit helps us by coming after us, by pursuing us, by chasing us. You want to know something crazy that maybe you didn't know? The Holy Spirit was with you before you came to Jesus. He wasn't in you, but he was with you. What was he doing? He was chasing you. He was hounding you. He was protecting you. He was convicting you. That's how you got saved. You got saved because the Holy Spirit was around you and and, and he was working the works of salvation, the, the process of salvation so that you would come to Jesus. I love how one theologian spoke of the Holy Spirit, and he refers to the Holy Spirit as the hound of heaven. As the hound of heaven. He's the one that's chasing after us. And some of you, you made it really hard for the Holy Spirit. Because you had him chasing you for years. And chasing you into dark places. And chasing you into difficult situations. But he was helping you by not giving up on you. And the Holy Spirit chases us. And, and he was around us. You know that, that those feelings you got when suddenly you needed God or that realization or that opening of eyes or whatever it was. That was the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was the Holy Spirit working in you before you became part of God's family. Right. He was with you. He was with you. Now, that is the relationship that the Holy Spirit has with a non-believer. He's with them. Your family members that haven't accepted Jesus, those that you've been praying for, the Holy Spirit is with them. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is with them through you. Right? Right? Now, what is it that the Holy Spirit does to non-believers? What is it that the Holy Spirit does to those that do not know Jesus yet? Well, look at what John 15, 26 says. It says, The Spirit will help you... And will tell you about what? About me. See, the Holy Spirit activates the work of salvation. The Holy Spirit is there, letting us know that there's something better. Letting us know our condition. See, some of you, when you had the moment when you said, man, where's my life going? I don't like the direction I'm going. That was the Holy Spirit working in you. When you suddenly said, man, I think I should go to church. Or maybe I should call somebody and ask them to pray for me. Or or whenever there was an urge in you for God, that was the Holy Spirit helping you. Helping you what? Come to Jesus. He was convicting you. Look at what John 16, 8 says. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, listen to this. I, I want you to notice something about that verse. Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he was going to convict the world of its sin. Singular, not plural, not sins. Why not sins, pastor? I mean, isn't there a lot of sins that separate us from God? Yes. Yes. But what sin is the sin that the Holy Spirit tries to convict us of? The biggest one of all. What is that big sin, Pastor? Unbelief. The biggest sin problem that non-believers have is unbelief. You know why? Because it is that sin that keeps them from from receiving forgiveness for every other sin. Because if you believe in Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he's the way to the father, well, then you can ask forgiveness for every other sin and it'll be forgiven. But if you don't ever believe, then you won't be forgiven for anything. And it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Now, listen to me, church. Whose job is it to convict? Not yours. Can we be honest? We're not really good at convicting people. When we try to convict people, we end up what? Condemning them. It is the Holy Spirit's job. It is our job to be the hands, the feet, the mouth of Jesus. But it is not our job to be convicting people and making them feel guilty for the wrong they're doing. The Holy Spirit is really good at that. He's the one that convicts people. So if you, got, if you got family members, friends that you've been praying for saying, I want them to come to Jesus. I want them to receive Jesus. You got to know that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. He's with them. And you got to pray that he would convict them, that he would lead them to Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Number two, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, First, he helps us by being with us so that we can come to Jesus. But then number two, and you can fill this out in your outline. The Holy Spirit helps us by coming inside us. Look at the last part of verse 17. It says, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, I want to show you something. This is a jar of water. And this is an empty cup. If I take this cup and I put it next to the water, let me bring this a little bit forward so that those that are on my left side can see it. The cup is with the jar of water. It's with. It's around. It's in the same perimeter. But when I do this, Suddenly the cup is not around water, but now the water is in the cup. When, when the Holy Spirit convicted you and me that Jesus was our, needed to be our Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit was given to us and he came inside of us. He lives inside of us now. Before the Holy Spirit, we were around where the Holy Spirit is because he is everywhere. But now, your body and my body have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you know that? That your body and my body are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not just our thoughts, not just our actions, but our literal body. And see, when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and He's with us 24-7. Amen. Did anybody have parents that scare you growing up? You got to be careful what you do because Jesus is always watching you. When you're smoking weed, he's watching you. When you drive up that lonely hill, he's watching you. Well, the Holy Spirit is always with us. Now, what help does the Holy Spirit provide in coming inside of us to reside inside of us? Simple. So that we can become like Jesus. First he wants to lead you to Jesus. And once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He comes to live inside of you. So that then you could live like Jesus. Look at what Ezekiel 36, 26 through 7 says. Look. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put what? A new spirit where? in you i will take you i will take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and i will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey what my regulations the holy spirit activates the life of jesus in us can i tell you something our lives should be looking more and more like Jesus every time. We should be more kind. We should be more loving. We should be more generous. We should be more wise. We should, we should be more like Jesus every time. Because that's the help that the Holy Spirit provides. See, some Christians never end up looking like Jesus because they never allow the Holy Spirit to help them become like Jesus. Because here's what you need to know, okay? Okay. And and we do this all the time, not just in our relationship with God, but we do it with everything else. We try to exchange external behavior with external things. For example, you say, I got to stop eating donuts, so I'm not going to buy donuts anymore. That sounds like a good plan, right? Sounds like a good plan. I don't want to eat donuts anymore. I'm not going to buy donuts anymore. Okay, You're dealing with your external circumstances. But what happens when you come in a life group and they have a box of dozen donuts? What happens when you go to work? What happens when you go to work and somebody brings you a big delicious donut like Ernie did this week to me? What do you do then? See, because most of us deal with external stuff when in reality the change needs to happen Where? We need to change the way we feel and we need to change the way we think about that stuff. So that regardless whether donuts are home or in the live group or at work, your behavior to them is different. And see, the Holy Spirit is given to us and he lives inside of us so that he can begin to change from where? From the inside. He begins to change the way you feel about certain things. He begins to change the way you think about certain things. And then as you obey, as you listen, as you walk in the Spirit, the character of Jesus is revealed in you more and more. Amen? Amen? Isn't that awesome? So how do we become more like Jesus? By obeying, by listening to the Holy Spirit, by letting Him change our character. Listen, listen to me. I know this to be true because I experienced it. Every time you're tempted to get angry, if you would just stop, you could hear the Holy Spirit trying to help you. Every time you're tempted to cut off somebody or honk at somebody, if you would stop for a few seconds, you could hear the Holy Spirit trying to help you. Every time you're tempted to go and sin again, that same sin over and over, if you would just stop and listen, you could hear the Holy Spirit trying to help you. Ladies, the Holy Spirit is trying to help your husband become a better husband. Lady, guys, the Holy Spirit is trying to help your, your wife be a better wife. Parents, the Holy Spirit is trying to help your children be better children. You know what the problem is? That we don't listen. We do things our way. But if we listen to the Holy Spirit, He will help us to be more like Jesus. He activates the life of Jesus in us. Number three, the Holy Spirit helps us to come to Jesus. Once we come to Jesus, He helps us to become more like Jesus. But the third thing that He does is that the Holy Spirit helps us by coming upon us. By coming upon us. The work, the help of the Holy Spirit doesn't end when we become more like Jesus. Because the third thing that He wants us to do is not just to come to Him, not just to be like him. But here's the third thing. He wants us to do the things that Jesus did. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. Activates the life of Jesus. But then he empowers us to do the ministry of Jesus. He wants to help you. Because you, you have to remember this. What did Jesus come to earth for? What was his mission? To expand the kingdom. Right? That's what it was about. It was to expand the kingdom. So now he wants to continue expanding the kingdom through you and through me. Let me go back to this illustration. Um, uh, Manolo, can you help me with that? No, Let's bring that over here. Yes, because I'm going to do something and I don't want to get in trouble. Let's try to put it under. So, this was the cup Around water. This is now water in the cup, right? But there's a third thing that the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't just want to be with you or in you. He wants to be upon you. So what does that look like, Pastor? Well, I'll tell you what that looks like. Here's what that looks like. That's what being upon looks like. That he fills you to the brim. Now you could say the water has overflown out of the cup. And when that over, everybody's looking like, is it going to drip? It's going to drip. It'll dry. This building's not going to fall apart. Forget about the water, okay? When the water overflows, that's the ministry of Jesus overflowing in your life. Look at Acts 1-8. You may know this if you've been in the church long enough. Look at what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, what? Comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me. What's the point of the Holy Spirit coming upon us? To feel good? To act spiritual? To buy a bigger Bible? No. To expand the kingdom. To tell people about Jesus. Whether that is through our singing. Whether that is through our serving. Whether that is through our giving. Whether that is by being available. But we become agents of the kingdom because the Holy Spirit is upon us. Look at this other scripture found in John seven thirty seven through 39. Look at what it says. This was Jesus speaking, okay? And he says, On the last and greatest day of the festival... Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. You see the Holy Spirit working there? Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, look at this, this is so awesome. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him will later work later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet had not been given, since Jesus had not been what? Glorified. Glorified. Now, Jesus is saying. That a time is coming when the Holy Spirit was going to come upon people and that he was going to create a fountain of water that was going to come upon them. But John says, when Jesus said this, that still couldn't happen because Jesus hadn't been glorified and the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent. Well, here's the good news. It's already happened. So what Jesus says is something that you and I can experience. Listen, the goal of the Christian should not be to be a content, to be a vessel where God pours his blessings. The goal of the Christian should be to be a conduit, a place where God can manifest and multiply his blessings. God doesn't just want to bless you. He wants you to be a blessing. He doesn't want you to just drink from the water, but to be a source from where others can drink from water. He doesn't just want goodness in your life. He wants you to be a source of goodness. He doesn't just want you to come to salvation. He wants everybody to come to salvation. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this way. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to help you come to Jesus, be like Jesus But he wants you to expand the ministry of Jesus. Let me ask you two questions. Here's your first question. They'll put it up here on the screen. Do you have a firm faith? Do you have a firm faith? Is your faith firm enough where problems come, science finds new discoveries, but it doesn't get shaken? We should have a firm faith where not just any little thing can take us out from our relationship with Jesus. Every Christian should have a firm faith. But that's not where it ends. There's a second question that I think many of us do not ask. And here's the second question. Do you have a flowing faith? Do you have a faith that is not just about you and your loved ones, but that it's a blessing that expands the kingdom of God? Every Christian should have a flowing faith. And the only way that happens is through the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This that I illustrated is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is an experience that we have with the Holy Spirit after we come to salvation where he empowers us not to feel extra good, not to act extra spiritual or religious, but to have a flowing, sharing faith, to be a fountain, of living water where others come to us and they see and they experience Jesus. I never forget. A, I have a cousin. I think I've shared this with you. Really successful guy. The guy works for, I believe right now he works for Google. Uh, he's an ethical hacker, uh, really great guy, really successful guy. Um, you know, and in one occasion, because he often comes to visit us, in one occasion I was driving him back to the airport and he said this to me. He says, every time I come see you guys, I leave so full of peace. I leave so relaxed. It's like everywhere I go, I got a drink and party, but when I come to you guys I don't even miss that. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, Look at what Acts 2, 1 and 4 says. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place and everyone present was what? Filled. Filled. They were filled. When you come to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's another experience that you have with the Holy Spirit where he what? He baptizes you. In in honesty, the the best illustration is not to pour the water into the cup, but to pour the cup in the water. And say, now the Holy Spirit is not in me. I'm in. I'm so filled. I'm so soaked. I'm so full of the Holy Spirit. And many Christians are missing this third Disturbed relationship with the Holy Spirit where He where He empowers them, where He fills them with Himself. Now, check this out. The Bible tells us time and time after Him, after time, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have one baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you have many fillings with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? Why do we constantly need to be filled? Simple, we leak. We leak. You go home, by the time you leave church, you're already starting to leak. And if you miss church for two, three weeks and you don't get in the Word and you don't spend time with the Holy Spirit, by the next time you come, that's why you're so dry and can't even lift your hands to worship. Because there's nothing in you. Thank you, Manolo. Right? And he says, let's go back to reading that passage. And he says, and everyone present was filled with what? With the Holy Spirit. Now look at what happens that's Acts 2. Look at what happens in Acts 4, right? Peter and the disciples they're preaching and and the religious leaders and and the and the Romans they're, they're angry at them so they begin to put them in prison and punish them and they tell them don't preach. But look look at how they respond to that situation because they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4:31, look at what it says. It says after this prayer, the meeting place shook and there were what All filled with the Holy Spirit, they preached the word of God with what? Boldness. They had been told, do not preach Jesus anymore, because if you do, it's not going to go well for you. You know what the disciples responded? They said, hey, do you really think it's better that we listen to you, that we obey you rather than God? Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had a flowing faith. Not only did they have a firm faith, they had a flowing faith. Now listen to this. The day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, it's called Pentecost. It is the day of the harvest. And it's no coincidence that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers on the day of Pentecost. Because he is the help of God to expand the kingdom of God. Jesus said that we needed to lift our eyes and see the great harvest. And that we needed to pray to the Father that he would send what? More workers. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell. I know nowadays you hear, well, if God is so good, why does he send people to hell? He doesn't send them to hell. They choose to go to hell. And it is our job to tell them that they don't have to. That Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and that he died on the cross and resurrected on the third day so that they could be forgiven and receive salvation. But in order to do that, in order to get over our shyness and HR and rejection, we got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that helps us to activate the ministry of Jesus In our lives. So let me wrap up with this. Where's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Have you come to faith? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? If you haven't, I want you to know that he's around you. In fact, I believe the reason you came today is because he nudged you to come. He's been working in your life for you to come to Jesus. And if you would just respond to him, you would see how amazing he is. Or perhaps, perhaps, you know, you've, you've received Jesus. But you need help developing, activating the life of Jesus in you. Because you're a Christian by name, but not by reputation. And you need the help of the Holy Spirit. So that the fruit of the Spirit can be evident in your life. Well, ask him. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Right? Right? Or perhaps, perhaps you say, you know, Pastor, I have a firm faith. I'm not who I used to be. I don't behave the way I used to behave. I don't think the way I used to behave. I'm a strong Christian. Great. But are you a flowing Christian? Have you led anybody to Jesus? Have you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit? tell you, hey, would you go talk to that person? I know you don't know them, but I need you to go pray to pray with them. Perhaps you got to get past your fears and shyness and your excuses of saying, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert too, and I still listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, where's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Where is it? Do you need to come to Jesus? Do you need to allow Him to help you be like Jesus? Or... Do you need him to help you activate the ministry of Jesus? Would you bow your head with me? As you have your head bowed, I'd like to do a couple of things. Mark, could you play something? And the first thing I want to do is, if you're here this morning and we're not going to embarrass you, we're not going to embarrass you, But if you're here this morning and you have not received Jesus in your life, I'm not asking you if you know about him. I'm asking you, do you have a relationship with him? Have you asked them to forgive you? Have you expressed your faith in him? If you have not, this is a great Sunday to do that. And we'd like to help you do that. And, uh, if you'd like to do that, I want to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And I'm going to ask everyone who's already made that prayer to repeat it in benefit of those that will do it for the first time. Everyone has their eyes closed and their head bowed. This is, this is an intimate moment. This is a personal moment between you and God. Would you say, Heavenly Father, I come to you because I need you. Please forgive my sins. I receive you in my life as my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you and walk with you from today on. Show me how to love you like you've always loved me. As you remain with your eyes closed and your head bowed, just a moment. Once again, we're not going to embarrass you, but if you made that prayer, I want to thank God for you. And I'm going to ask you that as everyone has their eyes closed and head bowed, would you let me know that you made that prayer by raising your hand? I just want to thank God for you. Thank 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 you. Can, thank you. Can we give the Lord a big round of applause? Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for every hand that today said, Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, you've been around them. But as of this moment, you live inside of them. They've become your children. You'll never leave them nor forsake them. And you will help them to know God better and become the person that God created them to be. We thank you for them. The second thing I'd like to do as you have your eyes closed and your head bowed, if If you already have Jesus in your life, where do you need the Holy Spirit to help you? Do you need him to help you activate the life of Jesus or the ministry of Jesus? Is your character reflective of Jesus? Is your lifestyle reflective of your faith in Jesus? If not, can we take some time to say, Holy Spirit, there's some computer activity, there's some vocabulary, There's places, there's attitudes that I need your help letting go of to become more like Jesus. If that's you, I want to invite you to just spend some time talking to him. Or maybe you're here and you say, I I need boldness. I need that power. I need that anointing to to not just have a firm faith, but a flowing faith. I want to give. I want to serve. I I want to tell people about Jesus. Whatever it is, can we take some time to do that? Just invite him. Talk to him. He's a person. Just imagine you're talking to me or to your parent or to a spouse. Just say, I need help. You know me. You know where I struggle. You know the opportunities you've given me. And I've been too shy to step out in faith. But I, 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 I want to depend on you. I want to have a stronger relationship with you. We hope you enjoyed this message, but before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead.